Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message, that it draws you closer to Jesus and helps you become more like him. Jesus went out again beside the sea. The whole crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. Then passing by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the toll booth, and he said to him, follow me, and he got up and followed him. When he was reclining at the table in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who were following him. When the scribes who were Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard this, he told them, it is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Praise be to God. Praise be to God indeed. So I never understood really tough biker gangs because like really tough bikers seem like the most individualist people in the world. Like I want my freedom. I don't need people. And then they get together in a gang. Like it just never made sense to me. <laughs> and, and I had never heard the word Sturgis till I moved here. Right back in back in Boston, I didn't know too many bikers. I had never heard of Sturgis, South Dakota, until I moved here. But this weekend, thousands upon thousands of people are descending upon Sturgis, South Dakota, in the largest motorcycle rally in the world, all looking for a place to belong. Because at the end of the day, that's what all our clubs and our gangs and and all of our our social activities are about. It's about belonging. We're all looking for places to belong. Even the toughest, crustiest exterior person longs to belong. We are made to belong. We are made by a triune God. Think about this. God, as Christians, we believe that God is three persons in one being. That means that God, from eternity past, all of God's existence, which is all the time, always, never didn't exist, God has been a community. One being, three persons. And we are made to image God. We are made to be like God. We are made to look like God. We are made in the image of God, which means, by necessity, we are made for community. No man is an island. No person is self-made. We are made for one another. We are made to belong. It is written into the deepest parts of who we are because we are created in the image of a God who is, by his nature, a community a community of belonging, a community of self-giving love. That's who we're made to be like. And so we are made to belong. And that's why we gather places. That's why we look for the people who are like us. That's why we all look for that place where when we show up, we go, yeah, these are my people. Right? Thousands of people are showing up to Sturgis this week going, yeah, these are my people. This is my place. This is where I belong. They get me. It's, I mean, you should assume it, but when I go to pastor's conventions, that's how I feel sometimes. You know, I'll go to these big conventions of pastors, and I walk in, and I'm like, yeah, these people get me. And then sometimes I go to some of them, like, they don't get me at all. Like, we're all looking for that room, right? We're all looking for that place, and that's why we join groups and societies and clubs and gangs. We're all looking for a place we belong. We're all looking for a place where when we show up, we know these are our people. Now, it's my longing, it's the deepest longing of my heart as Christ Community Church that 
every single Sunday we gather, every time we gather, whether it's on a Sunday or Thursday night for practice or Wednesday night for something or some other time, when you walk through that door, the moment you walk through, you go, yeah, these are my people. Not because we have all kinds of other stuff in common. Not because we're all the same skin color, not because we all have the same culture, not because we all do the same activities, not because we all have the same habits, not because even we all believe the same stuff, but because we're united through Jesus Christ. We're united through the work and the blood and the reign of our good and beautiful King Jesus, who's called us here together even when we didn't belong anywhere else. And so my hope is that we can walk in and no matter how you're dressed and no matter what you've done that weekend and no matter where you've come from and no matter what you've believed in the past and no matter what you believe right now and no matter what political spectrum you're on, the moment you walk in, you go, yeah, I belong here. These are my people. And I can love them and I can be loved by them not because of the superficial stuff, but because deep down, I am an adopted child of God just like they are. That's what I think is happening here in Mark chapter 2. I think we're seeing a community of belonging begin to form. So we're early on in the gospel of Mark. Now Mark is a short gospel and he doesn't have time to play around. So Mark like doesn't pull any punches. He jumps right to the point. And in chapter 2, Mark is already setting up the conflicts that will be the center of the gospel right up until the end. The conflicts between the religious people, the, those who are self-righteous, who think that they're good, who want to, who want to look at Jesus and go, there's no way you're righteous. There's no way you're one of us. And the sinners and tax collectors, the people who are on the outs. Already in Mark chapter two, he's setting up the conflict that will drive the rest of the narrative that will ultimately get Jesus killed. And so we're meeting the players here. We've, we've begun to meet them in chapter 1 as Jesus begins to call people to follow him. But chapter 1 of Mark is really nice. Jesus shows up on the scene. He's preaching, hey, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And people begin to follow him. And then at the end of chapter 1, going into chapter 2, you, there's, there's trouble in paradise. And the wrong people start to show up. And so here in the middle of chapter 2, we read that Jesus is walking through the town of Capernaum. Now, Capernaum was Jesus' hometown. I know he was born in Nazareth. He grew up in Nazareth. But at some point in his adult life, Jesus moved to Capernaum. And we can assume he had a house there and he had a business there before he began his public ministry. And he's living on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee in the town of Capernaum, just kind of getting to know people, living a normal life, doing the thing that the dude does. And just being a guy. Growing and learning, understanding what it means to be one of these people who's working really hard and barely making ends meet. And then he begins his public ministry. And he, he goes out and he begins to teach. And he dresses like a rabbi and he looks like a rabbi. He looks like one you would want to follow. Now in this day and age, boys would grow up and they would begin school fairly early. And there were three levels of schooling. So if you were a boy in the ancient Near East, the Jewish boy in this time and place, you would go through your first level of schooling, and if you did well enough, then you would move to the second level of schooling. So by the first end of the first level of schooling, you got to know the Torah. Like, you got to know the first five books of Moses by heart. 
This is an oral culture. Everything's taught orally. Everybody's used to memorizing stuff. So by the end of your first round of schooling, when you're still in the single digits, just entering the double digits in age, you know the Torah. And then if you've really learned well, and you've impressed the leaders of your synagogue, and you've impressed the the religious leaders, then you would get to move into the second phase. If you didn't, then you would stay at home and you would be apprentice to your father and learn his trade and do what he was doing. If you moved into the second one, then you went through more schooling. And through the second one, you'd be learning the rest of the Tanakh, the rest of the Bible. And you'd be memorizing it and you'd be understanding the prophets and you'd be reading the histories. And then at the end of that, if you were an exemplary student, then a rabbi might choose you to become his apprentice and you would enter the third round of schooling. Otherwise, you would go and be apprenticed to your father again, and you would learn the trade. Or you would be apprenticed to someone else, and you would learn a trade. And so, if you're really good, then you get adopted by a rabbi, and a rabbi would say, follow me, and then you begin to follow the rabbi, and you're learning the rabbi's ways. And you're following in the dust of the rabbi, learning the way the rabbi understands the scripture, beginning to to become a teacher yourself, beginning to become a religious teacher yourself. So anytime you meet somebody in the New Testament, especially anytime you meet a man who is doing a job, he wasn't good enough to be picked up by a rabbi. That's, that's how it works. So when Jesus is walking along and he sees Levi in a tax booth, and Jesus, as the rabbi, says, hey, come and follow me, he's calling someone who wasn't good enough to be picked up by a rabbi. He didn't do well enough in school. He wasn't good enough to continue with his religious education. He wasn't good enough to be picked to become a religious teacher. Levi didn't belong. He didn't belong with the religious teachers. And as a tax collector, he really didn't belong. If you're a good, faithful Jew, and you see a Jewish tax collector, all you think is traitor, seditionist. You have given up your people. Because the tax collectors worked for the Roman government. And good, nationalistic, faithful Jews hated the Roman government. The Romans ruled over them with an iron thumb. They, they, they took everything that they could from the Jewish people. And if you one of your fellow Jewish brothers worked for the Romans, they were a traitor. Turned their back on their people. Worse, they were a thief. You see... Tax collectors were allowed to charge you basically what they wanted and then pay the government what was required and pocket the rest. So tax collectors tended to be pretty wealthy. So Levi is a traitorous, thieving, he's awful, right? He's not somebody you want to hang out with. He does not belong. He didn't belong in his schooling. He doesn't belong with his Jewish brothers and sisters. He doesn't belong with good, faithful, righteous people. Levi's got nothing but money. And you can imagine Levi's probably lonely. So when Jesus comes walking by, looking like a rabbi, known in the community as a religious teacher, known as someone who who knows God, known as a righteous man because this is his town where he's been living and working and building relationships. When Jesus walks by and points to Levi in his tax booth in the middle of his traitorous, thieving activity, and Jesus says, come, follow me, Levi's heart just explodes with joy. No one wanted Levi. 
No one wanted him. Romans didn't like him. He's a Jewish boy, but he worked for them. His fellow Jews didn't like him because he was a thieving, traitorous bleh. Levi had nobody. So when Jesus picks him out as a rabbi and says, come, Levi, follow me, his heart's overwhelming with joy. Now, this isn't just speculation on my part because the text tells us as much. Because the next scene that we have is Jesus having dinner at Levi's house with other tax collectors and sinners. That is, other people who don't belong. This is a whole meal of don't belongers. People just have nobody. They have nowhere. They're not accepted except among themselves. And even then, you can imagine there's some backbiting and fighting. And so Jesus is now at dinner with these tax collectors and sinners. He's there with the people who don't belong. And this is Levi throwing a party. This is Levi celebrating being called by a rabbi, being called good enough finally in his life. Finally, someone who didn't even know him looks at Levi and says, yes, you're good enough for me. You belong with me. I will take you under my wing. And so Levi throws a party. And he invites all his friends who naturally are also people who don't belong. And so this is a party of don't belongers. Hanging out here with Jesus. And then the people who are the only we belongers, the religious people, the people who are too good, The people who, they belong, but they belong in their little club. And nobody else belongs with them unless they're living up to the same standard. These people look in at Jesus with the don't belongers. They look in at Jesus with the sinners and tax collectors and go, wait a minute. Hold up, I thought Jesus was one of us. He's a teacher. He's a rabbi. He's righteous. We know this guy. I I thought he belonged with us, but... Clearly he doesn't because he doesn't know who he's eating with. Or worse, he does know and he's approving of them. See, in the ancient world, in in the ancient Jewish world, that's what that meant. If you were having dinner with somebody, to the people around you, it looked like you were approving of them. You were approving of their life. You were approving of everything they were. It looked like you were okay with the thieving and the traitorousness of Levi. Jesus sitting at Levi's table is Jesus saying, it's okay what you're doing. And the religious people, the scribes and Pharisees, the religious leaders and teachers, the only we belongers are going, wait a minute, hold up. Jesus, you're approving of this guy. You're approving of these guys and how they live. That's what it means to have a meal with them. By going to this party, Jesus, you're giving your approval to their way of life. They don't see what Jesus is really doing. Because to them, if you don't live up to their standard, if you don't meet their checklist, you don't belong. You don't belong with them, and worse, you don't belong with God. They had the corner on what God had said. They had the corner on what they knew God's standards were, and if you didn't meet those, you were out with God. And if you're out with God, you're out with me. If you're just going to throw away the law of God, well, then we, we can't be friends. And if we are friends, that means I've transgressed the law of God too. So now Jesus, the righteous one, is just throwing out the law of God by having dinner with these sinners and tax collectors. And the Pharisees and scribes, the only we belongers, are like, Jesus, man, we thought you were cool. We thought you were all right, man. We thought you were with us. But not now. No way. Because they failed to understand who Jesus was. They failed to understand what Jesus was doing. 
Everywhere Jesus went, he created a community of belonging. Everywhere Jesus went, he created a culture of belonging around himself. And here in verse 17, right at the end of this passage, this is where we see Jesus creating this culture of belonging. So these these religious leaders are looking at Jesus and they're asking, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard this, he told them, it's not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. In that, Jesus is letting these religious leaders know. He's letting these scribes and Pharisees know. I'm not here for you if you think you're righteous. If you think you're good with God, if you think you're in, I don't need to come to you. We don't need to have a conversation. If you're good with God, I've got nothing to teach you. I have nothing to offer you. But these guys around this table, they know their need. These guys I'm sitting with, they're, they're well aware of their need because you've made sure that they know. They're well aware of how far they've fallen because y'all have been telling them this over and over for their whole lives. They know they don't belong. They didn't pass your tests. They didn't get picked up by a rabbi. They're working trades. They know they can't go worship in the temple. They, they understand. They, they've seen the look you give them when they walk into your synagogue. They know who they are. They know how far short they've fallen. And these are the people that I've come for. I've come for the humble and the self-aware. The ones who realize I'm sick and I can't heal myself. I'm a sinner and I can't fix myself. I've fallen short and I can't live up to the standard. Jesus says, those are the people I've come for. So yeah, religious people, if you think you're good, Jesus got nothing to say to you. If you think you're fine with God, if you and your arrogance and self-righteousness think I've got the corner on what it means to be right and good and proper before God, and I don't need those people, Jesus has nothing to say. I didn't come to call you. He didn't come to talk to you. Because who could? I mean, Jesus could try all day long, and it would be like beating his head against a brick wall. Because these people don't have the humility to admit that they have fallen short too. They don't have the humility to see their own self-righteousness, to see their own sin. They don't have the humility to see that they're on the same level as all those tax collectors and sinners that Jesus is having dinner with. And so to the self-righteous in the church now, to the self-righteous in this room and online and wherever else, Jesus got nothing to say to you. Jesus has nothing to do with you because you don't need him. we got a lot of Christians in the world, a lot of people claiming to follow Jesus who don't actually think they need him because they've filled the checklist. They've done the right stuff and not done the wrong stuff. They're in their holy huddle. They're in their little bubble and they don't need anybody to intrude in it, including Jesus, because at the end of the day, they don't really need him. Jesus is kind of like a hood ornament to them. It's kind of like an Emmy trophy on the shelf. Here's my proof that I belong. Here's my proof that I've made it. And they use Jesus like a talisman, like a magic spell. But really, they're relying on all of their own efforts. 
really relying on all of our own self-righteousness. The only problem with that is that right here in Scripture, before Jesus ever came, right here in Scripture, we're assured that all of our righteousness is like filthy rags. All of our righteousness is like bloody garments. All the stuff we can do to make ourselves good before God, everything we can do to to bring before God and say, hey, look at me, don't you approve, aren't I so good, is worthless. Worthless. God doesn't have space for the self-righteous. Jesus didn't come for them. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. Jesus didn't come to call self-righteous people but sinners. But even in here, there's an invitation. Even here, there's an invitation to these religious leaders to say, hey guys, look, right now, you don't need me. Right now, you don't see your need. But it's not too late. It's never too late. Throughout the Gospels, we will see Pharisees, we'll see religious leaders, we'll see scribes, we'll see those self-righteous people come to Jesus They'll listen to him, and they'll come. Yeah, they'll come by night like Nicodemus did, hiding from the other guys so they're not seen, but they're coming. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how you come to Jesus, but that you come to him. At the end of the day, it only matters that you come with humility to Jesus and say, Jesus, I was wrong. I was wrong. I was either wrong in my sin or I was wrong in my self-righteousness. But in either case, I need you, Rabbi Jesus. I need you to teach me. I need you to lead me. I need you to forgive me. I need you to be Christ for me because I can't be good for myself. Even in this statement, there is an invitation It is not too late. It's never too late. It's never too late to come and to lay ourselves down at the foot of Jesus and to lay down our self-righteousness and say, God, I've been trying to do this on my own. I've been trying to keep that checklist. I've been trying to be good, and all it has done is make me a judgmental, self-righteous jerk. Teach me, Jesus, to love as you loved. Teach me, Jesus, to sit at the table with the sinners and tax collectors. Teach me to create a culture of belonging around me. Teach me to walk like you, Jesus. And to the sinners and tax collectors among us, to those of us who have rejected God in every possible way, to those of us who have said to Jesus, you know, I don't need you because I've got this over here. I've got my side gig. I've got my thing that I just won't let go of. To the sinners and tax collectors among us, the answer is the same. Not only is it not too late, but Jesus came for you. For me. We who had said to him, I'm I'm good. I enjoy my life. Things are going well. I have no real need of you, Jesus. It's to those of us in that situation that Jesus has come. And said, follow me. Those like Levi, who have never been told they were worth anything. Those who have worked their whole lives and never felt good enough. Like they could never live up to the standard. 
Those whose parents never said, I'm proud of you, I love you, I care for you. Those whose communities never said, let us walk with you, let us love you. Those who have been on the outs, it seems, from the very beginning. Those for whom life just doesn't work. Those for whom this society doesn't work. Jesus comes to you and says, follow me. You belong with me. I love you. I don't care where you are right now. I don't care what you believe right now. I don't care what you're thinking right now. I don't care what the state of your heart is right at this moment. You belong with me. You don't have to clean anything up. You don't have to change anything. You don't have to believe the right stuff. You don't have to do anything to come and belong with me. Except come to me. Follow me, Jesus says. Follow me. And you will belong. Even in churches where we say we come to God by the grace of Jesus, we're covered by grace, we don't have to earn our way into Christ. Even in those places, we kind of hold this standard and expect people to hold some certain standard before they come to Jesus. I was listening to one of my favorite pastors on a podcast even this morning, and he said they were talking about a book that he had written about the Gospels and about the the reliability of the Gospels, how you can trust that the Scripture was new. And he said, you know, we often get it backwards. We expect people to trust the Bible before they believe in Jesus. He said, I want people to come to the Bible because they've believed in Jesus. I want Jesus to shine so brightly from me. I want the love of Christ to be so evident in my life and in this community that you may not have ever cracked a Bible and you long for Jesus already. You don't have to believe the right stuff before you walk in. You don't have to have things cleaned up and and put in proper order before you come in. You don't have to fill any checklist before you belong. Jesus is there saying to you now, follow me. Come belong with me. Come belong here. And here we'll walk with you. Here we'll learn together. We often think that it's our job to bring people to the place of proper belief or proper practice. It's our job to make sure that people know the right rules to follow Jesus. That it's our job to make sure that people are living to the proper standard. But our job is not to convict people of sin. Our job is to introduce them to Jesus and allow God to do that work to model for them a life of following Jesus, not to hold it over their heads and hold them to our standard, but to bring people to the foot of the cross, to meet their Savior, their Lord, their King, their Master, their Rabbi, Jesus, and let Him do the work of transforming. And in the meantime, just walk through this life together. That's what we're here for. We're here to be a place where you belong no matter who you are or where you've come from or what you believe now. We're a place to belong to one another and to belong to our Lord Jesus. To belong to the paragon of compassion and kindness and mercy and grace who calls those who have never belonged in their lives to belong to him. That's what Jesus has come to do. Not to call the righteous, but to call sinners like you and me, to call those who are humble enough to recognize our need for him 
and to walk this road together. And as we walk this road, to become more like him in every way. But it starts with belonging. Not with a checklist, not with a rule list, not by cleaning ourselves up. It starts by belonging to God's people, belonging to Jesus, and allowing him to transform us from the inside out. And so today we can be people who continue to walk in our don't belongingness. We can continue to to not belong. We can continue to, to live our lives as Matthew. We can reject the call of Jesus to follow me and continue to to accept that we just don't belong. Or we can be the people who only we belong. We can choose to walk and pass judgment on others and put others down and look at the beliefs and the practices and the thoughts of others and say, you just don't meet my standard. I can't walk with you. I can't belong with you. And we can reject people and become judgmental religious jerks who Jesus opposed. Or we can walk in the footsteps of Jesus And we can create a culture of belonging everywhere we go that says, I don't judge where you are. But we can invite people to follow Jesus with us. Let's walk this road together. Let's belong together and allow him to do the work of transforming our hearts. Let's be people who create a culture of belonging everywhere we go so that when we walk through those doors, we all walk in and go, yeah, these are my people. Let's pray. God, thank you for these words. Thank you that you called us before we believed, that you came to us while we were your enemies, that Jesus, you didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. And I pray in humility we would lay ourselves down before you now to give up any self-righteous judgment, to, Lord, come to you seeking belonging with you and your people, that we would hear you when you say, I see you and I value you and I want you come and follow me. God, as you bid us welcome, Jesus Christ, as you bid us welcome into your family, I pray that we would find the place where we belong and that we would long to open the doors of this family, open the arms of this family and welcome in any who want to belong. That when we gather together, we say, yeah, these are my people because we all belong to Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning into the podcast this week. For more information on Christ Community Church in Southeast Denver, visit ChristCommunityDenver.org.